the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. As we head into our third hour, we do so with Hugh Hallman, as we do every third hour, sometimes with his son. He'll be rejoining us at some point. He's just been uh, detained under other uh, work demands. Hugh Hallman is, of course, the former mayor of Tempe. He is an educator. He is an attorney. He is a, um, I don't know, there's 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 a factotum. There are words for people who are, are masters at many, many things, people without whom the city would be, the community would be a far lesser place, Hugh, but that is you. So anyway, that's overly that's kind, you. overly kind. And of course, it would be otherwise uttered a jack of all trades, a master of none. Yeah. So I, I can do a lot of stuff, but none of it well, I suppose. No, no, I, you're the man to see. I mean, you know, it can get it's a coin and you can land on one side or the other with you. You always land on heads. So we're glad to have you actually more often on the edge, which is hard <laughs> on the edge. <laughs> it tilts to the head anyway. So we, we were talking last week and I think the the activities of the world give us an opportunity to revisit. Where are we? Uh, I woke up. This morning and for the last several days, very distressed about my country because we have engaged in a level of misinformation and uh, vitriol against one another that is driven by people who are making lots of money uh, profiting from that fight. We have the corporate media that has been shrinking. We have the new media, which are internet-based, web-based, your phone-based systems that tend to drive us toward listening to things that tend to agree with us. And by continuing to follow those things, we are driven farther and farther and farther to the extreme because as those computer systems feed us new information, they are judging based on our prior consumption what we might like next, and it tends to push all of us to the extremes. And that has now demonstrated in this election cycle worse than any I've seen. Now, certainly, one could argue back in the uh, 1856 cycle or the 1860 cycle that Abraham Lincoln being uh, portrayed as an ape uh, is indicative. Uh, But I don't believe that anybody... Uh, at the time, actually thought that he descended from apes, and it was merely humorous and other attempts to to drive a point. In this instance, the points are disguised with just enough potential truth to them that a whole host of folks will believe them. Uh, but where does this come from? I think uh, in would your... You, would you add the political consultancy class to... I mean, that's an interesting thing. You just started taking us down this road of institutions that are perpetuating or promulgating this. And, 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 and you said, of course, the social media, corporate media, ma- mainstream media. You and I have, have both touched uh, the political consultancy uh, in our own careers by 
being active candidates. Uh, we have looked at it. Well, we, being we consultants. Yeah, we have even been consultants. There's a lot of it there, too. I referenced some of it in my earlier monologue today, of course. But this hucksterism and the 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 what the con artistry of it is based on exactly what you said a few kernels of truth everything else a distortion to keep us in a state of dependency on them but also anxiety which is not a normal condition for the human soul or spirit right yes so i think you earlier in the week actually late last week gave voice to this when the city of new york decided to use a PSA oh, yeah. to warn its citizenry that the next thing that happens is the big one, a nuclear bomb, yeah. and that the recipe for safety was identical <laughs> to the recipe that the left has been rolling out. In was fact, I wrong about that? We're not. It is the recipe <laughs> that the Soviet Union used, which is go home, stay inside, don't come out until we tell you. Shower, so. take your clothes off. Well, what is that? <laughs> well, that's the COVID part. Uh, yeah, we well, did this during COVID. That was, the, you know. Uh, so the, the, that you should stay inside and only come out when we tell you to and only listen to us uh, to direct your lives. And you used in your monologue earlier agitprop, which, of course, comes from a Russian phrase that, I mean, folks, you should listen to the monologue because, uh, as, as I always do, listen to the to the podcast if you missed it live, because that. Uh, that word so applies to what's happening today. It's not any longer unique to uh, backward countries that are playing these kinds of games or Soviet totalitarian regimes, China. We're now seeing this. And to respond to your point, you know, are the consultancy class part of this? They are part of it in that they're not creating it. They're using it. Okay. And they are now making massive amounts of money regurgitating bad headlines, terrible news stories, and pretending that that's real. Well, it actually comes out of a plan that used to be used. It was used against me in the 2014 race. Pretend newspapers that get created by specific interests put up on the web, the Western Resource News, that then runs a news story, which is done entirely so that that news story can be used for a hit piece saying that this person as judged by the Western Resource News, believes X. They used to say the social media accounts makes everyone a reporter. They, they were wrong. You can print your own press now and get it in the mail and be your own. That's yep. correct. And yep. so you, the, nobody ever asked who is the Western Resource News. It was one person sitting at home in his underwear, day trading at one moment and writing his news story in, in anticipation of using it for a hit piece in the next. And now that entire cottage industry has grown up. But it's also just the, the the social media and corporate media circles. So as they're driven to the extremes for the clickbait and the computer an, uh, analytics are set such that your clickbait gets farther and farther to the extremes, all of that is feeding into a system where now the candidates are not, in many instances, candidates with policy and uh intellects that are focused on solutions, they are now truly actors in a play. And when you then find those candidates who are, in my view, the old school, who are policy driven, who are trying to find solutions, difficult to find, because if the if the problem was easy to solve, it wouldn't be a problem any longer. So we are dealing with things that are really tough. Abortion is tough. Securing the border is tough. How you handle international relations is tough, especially if you're in an environment where Joe Biden is the president. Uh, I'll, I'll come to that. So here we have agitprop 
being used to create and foment uh, unhappiness, and people are becoming increasingly distressed, especially if they are not happy in the extremes, and those people are tending to withdraw from the debate entirely. Well, certainly the 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 um, primary season is intended to be directed toward people who are registered Republicans and registered Democrats. That's how this got created. Unfortunately, both parties are being driven farther to the extremes, and people who want to talk about policy are fewer and farther between. That's not to say that people in the grassroots aren't aren't hungering right, craving it. for yeah. real policy yeah. issues and solutions people. and how to get there. But the very uh, sources of information for them are driven farther and farther away from a discussion of those policies. We saw that in, in the Senate when Senator Hawley was asking a couple of questions of a Berkeley law professor about n- not attacking her in any way, shape or form. If you read the transcript, it's even more stark how absurd that discussion was. Because the transcript is the senator asking fairly direct questions of, so can you please explain to me how you reached that conclusion? And instead of explaining the, the, the professor, the Berkeley professor, used it as an opportunity to attack. So she was not there to testify. She clearly was there to attack those people who oppose her position, which is we don't have women and men anymore. We have a variety of, of people. And if you do not respect my view of how I've characterized people as existing in this way, you're a bigot. Mm-hmm. And that's the go-to now. And so that whole agitprop piece is being fed by people who thrive in a universe in which they do not want to have a conversation about their views. They want you to adopt their views or shut up. Yeah, that's right. And it's nothing so redolent as it is of the Soviet Union or perhaps Cuba or modern day China. And 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 of course, the natural inclination is when the Josh Hawley's of the world or their partisans, Republicans, take power so much the easier to denounce the entire party or all of them as that kind of bigot, as a bigot. This is the point of shutting down those conversations by calling your opponent such a name that someone would not want to be called. I mean, it's become the new. I mean, what rapist, bigot, white supremacist, uh, shibboleth, shibboleth, these shibboleths to shut down conversations are the worst things you can call someone. Right. Correct. It used to be Nazi. a sexual harasser or Nazi. These are the worst things you can label someone with. And they tend to stick not with everyone, but with too many and enough so that you can have four different women alleging Exactly where I was going to go. The Me Too moment has now been passed on to every kind of political discussion. Let me take a quick commercial break, and we'll pick up on that point when we come right back. I'm Seth Leapson. He's Hugh Hewitt. No, he's not. He's not Hugh Hewitt. He does have um, alliteration in his name, and I apologize. He's Hugh Hallman. Apologize to Hugh Hewitt.
Welcome back. I am Seth Thomas. He is Hugh Holman. No, I'm sorry. That's just uh, I called Hugh Holman Hugh Hewitt. I, it's uh, it happens. Sorry, apologize. Sincerely, I'm, I'm delighted to be mistaken. We just did something the news media will not do. When they make an error, we correct it in real time. They won't do that. This is part and parcel of the discussion. You and I were just talking about the image that sticks as opposed to the reality. I'll let you go off on this because you're right. In the Me Too movement, this was legion. One of the worst things I heard after Brett Kavanaugh won the uh, confirmation to sit on the Supreme Court. You'll recall that several women, including those represented with stories perpetuated by Michael Avenatti, were aired on major networks, CBS, NBC. They turned out not to be true, but the story stuck such that a skilled and smart attorney on the left said to me upon the confirmation of Brett Kavanaugh, great, we now have a rapist in the Supreme Court. So these things can stick. This is what I mean when I say... You never really get the corrections. They're never as big as the original story. And regardless, people kind of eat and swallow what they want to hear that feeds the narrative they have been told. This didn't happen overnight. This has been a steady drumbeat that started probably with Ted Kennedy and Robert Bork, quite honestly, which would have been about 1987. This has been going on probably longer than that. But that's when it really became, I think, Big Hugh. But go ahead, sir. Well, I would uh, not mix up the analogy and just say, yes, they... They eat and swallow what they've developed a taste Good. for Good. or for what they've developed a taste. And unfortunately, uh, that taste is getting created. It's being shaped mm-hmm. by what we are consuming. So it takes some effort to develop a taste for coffee or bourbon, but it certainly can be done. Cigarettes are the same thing. People are chasing that high all the time. That's exactly they? right. They're chasing and that dragon. It is exactly the same kind of thing that you've got news stories that are uncomfortable to read, but they uh, shoot off synapses in a way that it drives greater interest. And certainly that is what we've become. We have now trained a, almost two generations of kids to be on their cell phones rather than outdoors. They'd much rather be playing video games uh, sitting on their behinds than actually engaging in games that require physical effort. Why would we be surprised that it's getting worse? Because the adults in the room have become the children. And I'm going to use this as an opportunity to point out something other, another brilliant point you made a couple of days ago. Oh, start. Well, please, (laughs) we have now for the first time made children responsible for the emotional well-being of adults. And we taught them that. We're seeing the same thing in somehow our children are going to save us from the disasters we're creating now in politics. Perhaps they'll come up with some solutions for the crazed media uh, society we've we've generated. I hope they do, because what is hanging in the balance is the first best experiment in freedom uh, the the shining city on a hill is at stake, and folks, we are not that different from Kazakhs or Russians uh, or Chinese. We have developed a different culture, and that different culture should be celebrated, and instead it's only been denigrated, and slowly but surely this media environment is continuing to feed into that denigration, that we this is not a society or a culture that should be celebrated or preserved, and that comes at huge peril for all of us. Yeah, I have been consu- – thank you, by the way, for your kind words, uh, Hugh. It was I, a, a great insight. Please. A lot of, a lot of the stuff I – you know. I, anyway, thank you. Um, I have been consumed with the notion of soft and hard America, soft America, hard America that Michael Barone propounded in the early aughts um, 
of this century. And it also seems to me applicable in the realm of this thing you're talking about right now, American exceptionalism or even uh, freedom versus tyranny. You know, um, we are importing because human nature is the same thing. We do have the same. You know, we bleed the same. We we, we sweat the same. Uh, and 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 it seems to me that the notion of communism and socialism and collectivism, the notion of needing or wanting to be or being satisfied by being governed by autocrats has invaded us the way soft America has invaded hard America in a way I never thought possible until I started studying an interesting thing in uh, American and Western converts to radical Islamic terrorism. And it dawned on me, you know, it may be too Manichaean to think that you either join the Bloods and Crips, a, a criminal gang, or the Boy Scouts. That may be too Manichaean, but young people do want something strong. And when you offer something strong to believe in, that's pretty potent medicine or at least pretty potent attraction to someone. And what is America offering these young youths? You know, if you are a lost youth, you may be uh, drug addled. You may not be. You may have um, a broken family. You may not. But youths crave something to believe in and crave something to want to do. If you offer them something strong to believe in versus what 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 are you offering to him with Western culture? The study of philosophy, okay, uh, the study of human freedom. Once upon a time, that was strong medicine. It pales in comparison to some of these other strong these other strong forces, like a charismatic, tyrannical leader who is going to promise you the world if you fight for him or for her or for that form of government. And it seems to me that animates some of the problem we're discussing here as to why we have accepted so much of the socialist and communist Marxist doctrine in America as opposed to being able to perpetuate freedom and equality. Would you like to try and explain to a nine-year-old why equality is so much more important than following this man who believes in God and wants you to give your life for it? What's the competition there? It's a pretty hard one. And I think that's the same thing communism has always faced against the West. The West has ideas and communism has force in action. And that's always been the tension that I think is animating the problem we're discussing right now, if that makes a little bit of sense in adding to this point, as to what people are likely to be fed. I think they would be rather fed or are at least attracted to a hard falsity or a hard lie rather than a soft, even if beautiful, truth. And that beautiful truth used to be taught right. with strength and character. Exactly. George Washington was the fiercest chieftain in the forest, according to his biographer. The fiercest chieftain in the forest. And we put him on a dollar bill where he looks like an old man. No one would want to follow or, 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 or go. Go beyond that, yeah. that the daily life in classroom about American history yep. right. no longer can teach no longer does teach what the founding was about. Right. We've watered it down because it would be insulting to people who might have been uh, treated differently. Well put. We, I think, talked about the fact that there is real value to understanding why Juneteenth is powerful for some people because that was their Declaration of Independence moment That's a great point. two years later. We don't 
if we taught that even properly, we would understand that there's not a fight between 1776 and Juneteenth. Right. 1865, because for two different groups of people, that was a propounding moment of liberty. That's right. There's no Juneteenth without 1776. And we have to treat that with strength. And failing to do that on both counts and to water it down as some mushy left-wing liberal nonsense misses the point of what those slaves were celebrating, those, those freed slaves were celebrating two and a half years late. January 1st, 1863 was the moment, and Juneteenth... June 19th, 1865, was the moment of their liberty. Right. Celebrate it. Why would you fight for a country all your teachers and professors have told you is a rotten country when you are offered something beautiful in the name of radical political theory or communism? That's the tension. Uh, I'm I'm not going to get our names right today. I'm Hugh. You're Seth. We'll be right back. Originally, the Chicago Transit Authority, that's the song we're coming into for those of you listening on the podcast. Hugh Holman has done a great job of uh, reminding me to say this is the Seth Liebson show and mention the music if I mention the music because we can't put it on the podcast. Hugh Holman is my guest. So we find ourselves, Hugh, uh, in a curious place in the West where we are expecting of people under the age of basically 55 or 60 to fight for, defend, or appreciate a country that the entire culture has told them is not only rotten today, if not sick. I mean, that was a part of COVID, too, but whose founding was racist, bigoted, white supremacist, inimical to everything we hold dear. And yet there are these other philosophies that come here, these other charismatic leaders that come here and say, I will save you from all that. I mean, Ibram Kendi, who teaches this stuff, is a very persuasive speaker. You go to a speech of his or you go to a speech about how great America is and the culture has teed it up to believe Ibram Kendi and not teed it up to look at these great men like Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln and George Washington and James Madison because 35 to 40 years of teaching has been they're the ones to ignore, right? That's your point. At yes, a certain and, and the rooms in which one can be proud of the flag and salute it because it stands for something valuable and important are few and far between. And those rooms tend these days to uh, also now include people who are powerful speakers on the right. In the same way you're decrying what's happened on the left, we have that on the right. I won't walk away from that. But now the left is happy to be reporting in the the, uh, corporate media that every Republican invaded the Capitol on January 6th. Every Republican is responsible for that. Even those of us who said that is not I don't put up with that. That is not what my party stands for. We are not about the summer of 2020 where you burn down buildings and destroy courthouses in the name of peaceful protest and pretend that 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 is speech and then turn around and say that somebody asking a question in the Senate about can you please explain your view that somebody who is not a woman can give birth is a bigot just for asking the question, trying to elucidate what's going on in these conversations. That's the the rabbit hole or the the looking glass we've fallen through. And we all need to start appreciating that we need to listen to the other side and appreciate a perspective without casting someone as evil so that we can then understand and persuade why our perspective is correct. Going into classrooms and talking about the founding should be appropriate. I gave many, many commencement addresses in which 
I literally was speaking from the Federalist Papers right. and holding them in my hand. Right. The last one of those I gave was about seven years ago. I did it unabashedly because young ladies and gentlemen need to understand without that 1776 moment, without that 1783 moment, we wouldn't have had Juneteenth, right. which they've all been taught about. And then they need to understand Juneteenth's celebration was not about leftism and, and uh, all the other kind of nonsense that's crept in in the modern celebration of it in the federal uh, holiday we now have. It was about slaves being read the uh, Emancipation Proclamation two and a half years late and understanding that that had granted them freedom and that they were now free and independent and that's the reason for that celebration. And as you just pointed out, you can't have had June 19th, 1865, Juneteenth, without 1776, that July 4th, 1776, ringing freedom for an entire nation and creating the opportunity to create a constitution that took us another 11 years, more or less, to get done, uh, that ultimately that is worth celebrating. And the, the human effort it took across the board to rise up out of that slop to create this. The Brits, just 700 years before, were murdering one another in huge numbers. We think that what's going on and has gone on in the Middle East is new. The Brits were killing one another on the very same grounds that you're Catholic or Protestant. The syllogism, I think, would run something like this. We're supposed to admire and support and celebrate Juneteenth, and we do. There's no Juneteenth without the Emancipation Proclamation. That's what it was. It was a reading and a applicability of the Emancipation Proclamation. There's no Emancipation Proclamation without the Declaration of Independence or Abraham Lincoln. That's, that's how it works. That's all we're saying. And the problem with Juneteenth celebration today is it's almost coming out of a vacuum because Lincoln isn't taught. 1776 is condemned. Only 1619 is taught right. as a demonstration that this entire society is based on slavery. So what we naturally get, and I'll get these calls, you get this all the time, I know you do, from people is, so how do you know what to believe? And maybe you and I can talk about that when we come back. I'm Seth Leibson. He is Hugh Hallman. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Hugh Hallman is our guest, and we stumbled onto an interesting topic here, hopefully uh, helpful, because what it all leads to, I get this from listeners, I know you get it all the time, Hugh, is the notion, well, with all that out there, and you saying one thing, and someone else saying another thing, and even two people I like saying different things, how am I supposed to know what to believe? I had a caller yesterday, I may have been... May have been a little, uh, a little, uh, a little quick with him, but his point was with the candidate signs we're seeing now. He says, you know, he's not getting enough information from those signs. What are these people's plans? What do they stand for? I said, you're expecting too much of a sign. Um, and I think on that point, but on everything, there's no getting around. You got to do your homework. Citizenship requires something more of you than just dint of being born here. You've got to do your research. You've got to do your homework. If you want to know why the left is so engaged in banning, shadow banning, and censorship, 
It's precisely because they are trying to keep you from learning the stuff that you and I were brought up on, Hugh, and the kinds of stuff that we know to go to for accuracy or at least to counterbalance intelligent points of view. So I think there's no getting around it. You've got to get on the Internet. You've got to get into a library or a bookstore or buy some books or do your own research. You have got to do – the days of just following what one person says have to be over. And I have a general rule, and I'd like to run it by you, Hugh. I've been saying it for years, and sometimes people just give me a quizzical look when I say it. But I think it applies most of the time. And it is, if something is too good to be true, if something sounds too good to be true, it almost always is. Equally, if something sounds too bad to be true, it almost always is. That got me through COVID and on day one of COVID, by the way, not attracting COVID, but the situation of COVID. Three million people are going to die. We're going to all die. And then I ran into you and you said, you know, I'm looking at these numbers and, you know, heaven forfend this novel black swan event. My God, 99.5% of us might survive, you know. Now you're stuffing data into my mouth, but let me just put it this way. Quote, upon the subject of education, not presuming to dictate any plan or system respecting it, I can only say that I view it as the most important subject which we as a people can be engaged in, that every man may receive at least a moderate education and thereby be enabled to read the histories of his own and other countries by which he may duly appreciate the value of our free institution appears to be the object of vital importance, even on this account alone, to say nothing of the advantages and satisfaction to be derived from all being able to read the scriptures and other works, both of religious and moral nature, for themselves. Abraham Lincoln. That is what we're at the crossroads in. And so you want to know about a candidate? Public education was supposed to supply our electorate with the tools to be good citizens. That was its point, its purpose. Jefferson to, to Lincoln understood that an uneducated population are sheep easily led into pens. And we need instead to exercise the stuff between our ears and work diligently to educate ourselves. It also starts with educating oneself about the fundamental principles that create good and evil, to understand those. Abraham Lincoln's dependence on the the Bible was about the fact that that was a book viewed as one of, whether or not you're a believer, one of the most important books to have read to understand the views and the facets of good and evil, of what society makes. And in this instance, you know, from the Code of Hammurabi to modern society, understanding the human effort to figure out how should we behave toward one another, what is good and what is evil. You start there. And then as you take that that filter, start reading about your candidates. Understand what they touch on that you believe is important. I'm not going to dictate that to any given person. And if AOC really believes that uh, a socialist communist society is going to improve lives, then I'd invite her to take a clear study of its last full application uh, in the Soviet Union or its current application in China. And if you believe people are better off as human beings in those societies, more power to you. 
I invite you to join them because this society was based on something fundamentally different, that everyone ultimately should exercise his right and ability to enjoy his life in the way he sees fit up to the point of someone else's nose. Now, that's a libertarian perspective, but the point is that maximizing liberty so people could could create of their life what they best thought they could ends in a society that created more wealth than ever known to mankind brought more people out of poverty than any known to mankind and created a opportunity to create beyond anything ever known to mankind. China doesn't create. China copies. Germany, for the last 50 years, has been able to take the things that the U.S. mindset has created and run that machine faster. And then China has been copying it. The unique nature of this society having brought people from such different perspectives and allowed that and created it, as you noted. All of those people yearning to be free are here because 1776 occurred, and then Juneteenth occurred, and additional movements to expand liberty to everyone. Is it perfect yet? No. But I do not believe we need to denigrate it and celebrate only the flaws at the expense of of the great things this society has done. The AOC example is a great one, Hugh, because let me try it this way. Winston Churchill once said, a fanatic is someone who refuses to change a a subject and will never change his mind. And so when someone like AOC strides uh, the stage and continues to talk about her socialist dream palace or Bernie Sanders or fill in the blank, when they do that – And we point out China or we point out the Soviet Union or we point out Cuba. The natural response is this is how you know you're in the grips of a fanatic. They won't reconsider our point or those examples. They will say, and we've all heard it, no, we can do it better or that version was imperfect. I had a caller, one of the smartest things I ever heard. He said the problem with socialists, the problem with Marxists is there's no level of failure in a Marxist concept or example that will ever get them to rethink their position on it, just as there is no amount of success in capitalism that will incline them to view it favorably. One of the smartest things I ever heard, I think it was from a listener, wasn't it Doug Bill? I think it was Doug who gave us that. Anyway, I am Seth Liebson. He's Hugh Hallman. We'll come right back with some closing thoughts. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. I am Seth. Portions of this show have been brought to you by my friends at Y-Refi. These are investors doing very well by doing good for others, and you can be too. What they are offering is a fixed no-load interest rate up to a 10.25% return for investors, all in a secure and collateralized portfolio. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm, and you can check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y. REFY.com or giving them a call at 855-316-3087. Hugh Hallman, thank you. This uh, this was a discussion. I I didn't realize where we'd go with it, but I'm glad we did. I don't know if you had a concluding thought you wanted to add to it or um, what you might want to say, given everything that's just been said. I'll start down the road because I want to harken back to your monologue from today that we are in an environment in which there are now candidates engaging in behaviors that demonstrate that that itself makes them not fit for office. When you've got candidates' campaigns that are now benefiting from people 
doing what appears to be violating principles, if not the law. The The challenge we're now going to face is that when the extreme use of uh, hit pieces or promotional pieces are done by dark money through independent expenditure committees, and that's quotation marks, uh, that the law can be bent and may be broken. And it, we may end up with a candidate who fundamentally and ultimately has those kinds of violations wrapped around their ankles and will assure their defeat either in the general election or worse, after they take office. We saw that happen with a former superintendent of public instruction. And having seen the actual documents, I know exactly that there were violations of law. And that will continue in this day. We have an Arizona Republic news story. I hesitate ever to rely on that, but it is in the July 19th Republic talking about the fact, and it is a fact, that people are having contributions to independent expenditure committees attributed to them. And when the Arizona Republic investigated to find out whether those people actually gave money, the answer was no, that's not from me. And so you've got ghosts now putting money independent independent expenditure committees, potentially hiding their their sources. That itself is a huge problem and puts the entire election of candidates at risk, which ultimately for the Republican Party, because it's Republicans who are now involved in this, puts the success of the party further at risk. And I'm here to object to the fact that NPR wants to say every Republican's responsible for January 6th. Baloney. You and I both sat here and said that's not acceptable. We don't engage in that. We'll let the Democrats do that stuff. Well, now we need to fix it in our own house. We need to be brave about fixing it. And those who have stood up against those against illegal activities should be celebrated, not excoriated. Nicely put, Hugh. Thank you for saying that. You know, truth, humility, truth and humility, they're still common virtues, but they should be more strongly in our movement and on our side than anywhere else. Because if we don't teach them, how are we going to expect the left to ever embrace them? Thanks for being here. Thank you all for spending some of your afternoon with us. With humility, we appreciate it. I'm Seth Liebson. He's Hugh Hallman. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. And class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.